From the boardroom to the shop floor, good business runs on good governance. Join esteemed expert in governance, Dr. Nimrod Dembele, for the next hour as he takes us beyond governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa. A very good evening to all and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by, uh, by Plasnet for Research, uh, the Science of Decision Making. I am delighted to share this space and time with you as we gravitate towards the festive season. My appeal to the high listeners is to just share a little bit more as the country is brilliant. I mean, Let's look at the amount of people who are without jobs. Uh, a lot of people for the first time in their lives are without jobs. And, and there we, we also have millions of South Africans who have been on the queues and we've pretty much given up looking for a job. Um, and when you look at the stats, uh, they are quite shocking. I mean, 40% of South Africans are unemployed. When you use the narrow definition of unemployment, when you use a broader definition of employment, the statistics are quite uh, shocking. I mean, these are not just statistics. These are human beings. Uh, my view is that, uh, you know, we need to extend the helping hand a little, little bit more. I know it's tight for everybody, um, we, but let's not forget some people are less fortunate than, than we are. Uh, if you, but anyway, how are you coping? Perhaps maybe I should start there. Uh, if you are not coping very well, it is understandable. Uh, we, our thoughts and prayers ought to be with you um, during these difficult times. And we hope that, um, you know, uh, you'll soon be back on your feet um, as, you know, as we move forward. Um, anyway, moving on swiftly, um, I felt, you know, today uh, as we, as the world celebrate, you know, the, the eighth, uh, um, international day, it is important for us just to reflect on the role of, of, of corporate in combating the HIV and AIDS or its management thereof. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that the, the, the schedule of HIV and AIDS has had a, a devastating impact in terms of productivity, especially in, in labor absorbing sectors. I mean, you look at mining, you look at agriculture, uh, where most people are employed, um, I, I'm sure that, you know that there's been a a great, 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 great impact at that level in terms of absenteeism, in terms of productivity. Um, you know, we'll get to that level of conversation, which for which is is the first part of our conversation tonight. And and in really making sense of those um, responses, um, I'll be joined online by Justice Ndaba, who is an executive at Knowledge and Anchors. Uh, and again, our conversations with Justice is just going to be how corporate have been responsive by way of trying to mitigate the risk which are brought by the, the HIV and AIDS in the workplace. Uh, the second item on the agenda, we're going to do a bit of a reflection in terms of the role of the research uh, in South Africa. And, and at the time, we'll be joined by uh, you know, Jason Vivius uh, from Plus 94 Research. We'll probably be joined by, you know, Dr. Sefisa Falala, who has become a friend of the show. Um, the conversation at that level, you know, um, they have come up with a very interesting research, which they would want to share with us uh, in terms of, of the South African dream, you know, Every other country has a dream, you know. Uh, when you talk about a South African dream, uh, 
Do we know what it is? Do we share the same value system? Do we know? Do we share the same sentiments? Uh, let me not uh, waste uh, time on that particular issue because Vivian, uh, uh, Jason, Vivian will come through in a second leg of our conversation just to give us their thought process in terms of how first they've conceived this uh, research proposition and how far they are with the research proposition and what are the sum of the statistical uh, findings and and what you know what do they what do they say um are there points of commonality are there points of convergence um you know amongst uh, different races in the country so i mean i think it's a very exciting part just to uh, don't move don't go anywhere you know stay tuned for i believe they will give us a very fresh perspective uh moving forward moving forward let's uh, do what we normally do by acknowledging those who came uh, before us Simon and the team, thank you very, thank you very much for a job well done. Uh, they will be back tomorrow in your radio, uh, so do give them a, a, a hearing, so so to speak. Um, tonight I'm not flying solo. I have um, Greg as well as Tobisa, who are the pillars of the show. Let me thank them in advance and hope that the show will proceed uh, quite quite well. Uh, on that note, uh, I, I, you know, now that I've obviously given you the picture in terms of how the show would unfold, I, I would really encourage you, you know, to weigh in on our conversation tonight, uh, by, by really contributing, um, as, as you normally do via our SMS line, which is 34519. The telegram is 0618951091. And, and of course, my Twitter handle is at Bell Nimrod. Your thoughts and views are most welcome indeed. Um, moving on swiftly, I have already created a scene or painted a picture in terms of where we are going today. We just we want to obviously join in a bandwagon as the world is commemorating the way that the world um, an eighth day uh, on the first of December of every year. And the theme for this year is we are in this together. I'm sure every South African knows someone who has been infected or someone who has been affected. Uh, personally, I've had few of my, you know, family members, uh, who, who succumbed to the scourge of HIV and AIDS. And I was quite pleased to see that, you know, the, the country sort of turned the corner, uh, uh, you know, during the, the, the administration of the former president, Jacob Zuma. If there's one thing that most people will probably remember him by was, was, was that particular policy decision to roll out, um, you know, uh, antiviral, or, um, you know, uh, medication and so on and so forth because his predecessor, unfortunately, that's a legacy that most people remember by. You would recall there's been, you know, years and years of denials, but, uh, you know, but, you know, JZ, there's one thing that I personally uh, 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 will remember him by because I've lost uh, family members uh, to the scourge of HIV and AIDS, and it could have been some of them could have been alive today, um, had had it you know had government move swiftly and be more responsive. But be that as it may, better late than never. Am I correct? A lot of people have been saved. But talking of save, I just, you know, in creating the picture, I mean, I was looking at, this, at the statistics uh, as I'm going to just draw in, uh, bring in justice in a second. The stats are quite, you know, shocking and telling. I mean, South Africa has the highest level of uh, HIV and AIDS epidemic in the world. We've got about 7.7 million South Africans who are living with HIV and AIDS. 7.7 million people. Um, this is not uh, 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 a, a small number indeed. 
and and as a result of that, we've got the largest, uh, you know, people who are on the antiviral uh, medication and so on and so forth, which which is something that is great, uh, you know. But the question for me, as I as as I've already indicated earlier, the scourge of HIV and AIDS has impact in terms of productivity at the workplace, whether we like it or not. Uh, any responsive management would have to look at um, the interest of the employees by making sure that they firstly they know about the disease and those that are are, are affected get some kind of a onto program which 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 promotes you know people's disclosing and so on. So of course, ultimately, if management is not responsive, uh, it is counterproductive. You know because people won't come to work because they're sick. Um, you know, productivity will go down. You know, the, the bottom line would definitely be, you know, be, be taking a hemorrhage, um, as it were. So, but, you know, fortunately we've seen more and more corporate being responsive. Uh, uh, but, you know, Justice Ndaba, the executive at uh, Knowledge Anchors Group will share some of his thoughts. The reason why I brought Justice because he has been an executive for a number of, uh, big corporates. And he has been managing the HR function, uh, which was the custodian of some of those uh, progressive programs, which he rolled out. So uh, as we are commemorating the, the you know, International Words um, uh, um, AIDS Day, uh, it will be interesting for him just to give us a reflection in terms of when he started. Where, how was the picture? And how has the picture changed over time? Without any waste of time, let me bring in Justice Ndaba and, and welcome. Justice, welcome indeed. Good evening, Doc. Uh, thank you for the invitation. And uh, I'd like to greet your listeners as well. Thank you very much. You're most welcome, my good sir. And thanks for gracing the show again with your presence. Justice, you have been an HR manager for a number of uh, big corporates, I mean, multinationals, uh, so to speak. And, and when earlier on in the show, I just reflect a little bit on the statistic that, you know, 7.7 million South Africans are on, uh, you know, this, uh, antiviral program. And, and the numbers are somehow, somehow dwindling, even though we are not yet there. Um, from a corporate point of view, uh, what, what is your recollection in terms of how corporates initially responded to the pandemic and how are they responding now? Just over your overview. Yes, yes. Thank you very much, uh, Doc. Um, just to reflect a bit, you would recall that um, uh, many of the corporates uh, in, 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 in so many years were typical of what the approach and the attitude was of society at large. So that manifested in the workplace. So in the years gone by, especially when we started with these programs around 2002, 2003, uh, in fact, 2000, um, in fact, uh, 2000, 2001, 2003, and in fact, in 2002, our program went on to win uh, international award. And at that time, I was rolling out the program from a BHP bulletin perspective. And at that time, the biggest problem that we had was the stigmatization. So, um, and also given that 
many of the corporates um, had not developed uh, a specific formal response themselves. Uh, and and therefore, it became quite problematic because many, many people didn't know how to react or how to respond to the pandemic. And therefore, um, a lot of times you, we've, we struggled quite a lot with um, always people trying to hide, um, the, the, for instance, whether or not they had been diagnosed. So one of the first things that we realized quite early was that we needed to know. So the, the issue came from the, 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 the wanting to know what numbers do we have. So we had to embark on a huge program of testing. Now, with that, testing was a problem because people knew that once they are in a queue or they are somehow identified as having been part of testing, suddenly the stigma is on them. So we had to find ways and respond <laughs> to how do we keep the testing program confidential. So confidentiality was a big issue because um, people that were, so whether or not your test would come out negative or positive, the problem was as soon as you were, you were known to have been tested already, uh, people treated you differently. And that we found and we struggled with what. So we had to realize very early on that we needed to, to embark on a very confidential program of securing and ensuring that people um, are treated in a confidential way. At the same time, focusing on on a rollout of communication about what the disease was. So that ultimately meant that we had to identify a, 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 a strategy, which I can go through it quite quickly, was meant, was, was, was on five, meant on five pillars. First of all, we realized that we had to develop a policy because, I mean, our reaction and many a times when wherever we try to benchmark, no one else had a, a typical policy that was progressive and looked at workers uh, quite differently. So we embarked on a program where we identified a, a, a policy that would uh, clearly stipulate our attitude as a company on the disease. So once we had developed a policy, uh, and the policy had a main, main pillar on it, uh, that we, we, uh, which is what won us the award, the international award. The biggest pillar of it was on peer, on peer, peer education. So what we embarked upon was to, to, to take a lot of peers because people, uh, initially we had, we had been calling in experts on the workplace. And we realized that we didn't get the response from the workers. So that made us change attitude. So what we did then was to, to take among the employees, people who are respected among the employees, whether by natural leadership positions, then this could be supervisors, could be foremen, could be shop stewards, for instance, and whoever else volunteered. So we had a very huge volunteer program of peers. So we took peers and we trade them for about eight eight months or so. 
and we took them through a rigorous process of training and they were to then become counselors themselves on the shop floor. So, uh, so, so, so meaning that we had to look at that as a training program and look at the peers as a biggest pillar to help us alleviate the problem of, of stigma. And that, that made us the, 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 the um, at least begin to have an acceptable program on site. So the policy issue was the biggest one. The second point was we uh, on 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 on, on uh, big, second pillar was on providing prevention education, which is where the peer educator program came from. So we we trained people. So we had to make money to provide budget for training. Um, then the biggest issue then, what do you do once you've tested people and now you have the information, what then? So we, we, we looked at the third pillar of providing care and support. And that meant that we had to start negotiating with, if you recall, Doc, uh, in the beginning, medical aid clearly refused to even have cover for people uh, who were tested uh, positive with HIV. So part of the responsiveness from the company's point of view was to engage medical aids and insurance uh, companies that uh, uh, we dealt with to begin to have um, a policy of covering our employees as part of uh, the contributions that they were making that we were deducting. So we had to do that and, and also ensuring that in the in our own process and our own program on site, we, in, we, 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 we stipulate the support program. In other words, once a person has been identified, uh, we keep it confidential, and then we make sure that there's a support structure around them, whether in the workplace, but also meaning that we have had to design a program that went outside the workplace, in other words, outreach to the family and outreach to the community. So we, and so you could see that it was then had to be comprehensive in that sense because we, now we have a, a person that we knew was HIV positive. One, it was the biggest issue at the time that people thought that once you have tested positive, it's a death sentence, definitely you're going to, to die. So our education program was meant to support them beyond the, the, the death sentence uh, uh, mindset as, a, as, a, as an example. So we, we had to go, for instance, one of our biggest um, supporters that we approached was Justice Cameron, um, who at uh, a few times we asked him to, as, a, as a, a testimonial to, to talk to us and talk to our people and people could see that you could sustain this thing, you could live a longer life without necessarily dying. So that helped us a lot. So once we began to have peers talking to peers and talking to, so if you have your own kind talking to you, and then we began to start having acceptance in the workplace. And once we had that, then we realized that the problem was bigger than just the workplace. So we looked at the workplace as just a part of the community. So part of our our policy included outreach programs within the community at large. And as a result uh, of these five pillars, I think our corporate response program 
was was hence target um, identified as, as as having quite an impact, and we began to see uh, when we, we we looked and we monitored and evaluated the numbers, and we began to see that there is a positive impact. Could we just hold on? Could could we just hold on a second, um, Justice? Because I think you you've raised a number of very pertinent points, which um, I still think are pertinent today. Um, in 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 so far as how companies are are better prepared to manage the scale of 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 HIV of HIV and AIDS, particularly around the the bottom line, because we all know that um, you know if your workforce is not productive. And naturally, your bottom line is affected. But take me through here. One of the issues that you raised, which I thought was very important, is the, you know, the management you know, of of testing. You, you know, you made it compulsory, I would imagine, for people to test, and you ensured that those that were on a queues uh, are no longer being seen on a queue. Or perhaps maybe you you brought about a level of confidentiality, how you manage that, which I thought. Uh, was quite profound in that it, you sort of restored human dignity um, and you, you were quite conscious of the psychological impact of those who, who were diagnosed, uh, uh, you know, positive or negative. So the issue of confidential management was, I think it was quite useful. I want you to reflect on that in terms of how that issue has been handled now. The other issue that you raised, which was quite useful, is is the the old issue of almost having change agent which are driven by the employees. If you bring employees to you know teach one another uh, based on the, the their own personal circumstances, one would imagine uh, people would be more comfortable to relate to them because it's not an expert who would would come with a particular value judgment, right right or wrong. So I want you to reflect on those two. One. The extent to which um, confidential approach has been useful and how you think it is being pursued now, uh, has the needle moved faster? Um, the other one is also of using peers, peer education, particularly around stigma, because the biggest issue of corporate response was firstly to manage the stigma. Can you take us through those two pertinent points, please? Yes. So um, thank you for that. Uh, in fact, the, the 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 confidentiality issue. We one of the things that we realize that um, a lot of times uh, we arrange that people be tested on site, right? Because we had a clinic on site, but somehow uh, employees got to know that if you are on this room and not on that room, you're being tested for HIV AIDS. <laughs> so you, they could find, they could somehow work it out that no matter how much you hide that you've gone for the test, um, you know, uh, 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 they would know. And so we, we, while initially we looked at that and we said, okay, so we made arrangement for offsite testing uh, initially. And the reason for that was that um let's accelerate the peer education side so so that by the time we we can bring back the testing on site at least the level of awareness has 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 increased you know uh, uh, so we initially we 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 then move the testing off site and people would not know for instance whether uh, you've gone for a test and you have other than 
trained uh, nursing staff or, or the doctors that even management did not know, for instance, that you had gone out for test. So it was kept to the minimum in terms of the number of people that had that information other than the trained. So even your manager would not know that you went for testing. And unless they had been certified as having been trained on our, our peer educator preventative program, once they have been trained, then the SEO manager, obviously, because they are part of our supporting system, the managers and supervisors were part of your support structure. So only once they had been trained, then they could be made aware uh, because they would then know how to handle it. But initially, we, we moved the testing physically to be off-site. But uh, later on, after I think after a year or so, it came back because by that time the level of awareness was 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 greater. But um, and, and 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 because now we also ensured that uh, people were aware that, um, like I said, uh, once we had brought in, we brought in, for instance, uh, I indicated Justice Cameron. Then we brought in the famous. Uh, we had. Bongening Gamma, for instance, on site, as we, we asked him to, to, to just develop a, a play, and he developed a play, and we had a play there for about two to three months, where uh, famous actors would come on site, and then they would have a play, a, a specifically designed workforce uh, play that were relevant to the workers. It wasn't foreign, it wasn't developed anywhere. And, and in some instances, part of the play, employees were made to be uh, part actors. Then uh, that increased the level of awareness. So once we were happy that the level of awareness was 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 greater, uh, the the issue of confidentiality was no longer that much of a problem. But it can, still can, was can, left to the individual. Can you just hold on, Justice? We're just about to go to the break, but there's something that you raised, which I think the listeners um, could der- could derive value from. Firstly, I want you to tell us the the decision to take the the the, the, the you know, diagnosis um, you know facility outside um, you know outside the the the, um, the campus or outside the workplace. How did you get to that particular position? Did you guys do a research? You know, I just want you to, you know, give us okay. a sense because I want to get to the point of the, the role of research in, in decision making, for an example. Um, let's take a break. We'll come back in a second as you reflect on the decision, how you've got to make that particular decision that, you know what, because people are scared. Uh, people can't be seen on cues because the by implication is that they are positive. Let's take this particular uh, facility offside so that people can, you know, manage this thing uh, differently. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. If you just join us, we are joined online by Justice Sindaba, who is the executive at Knowledge Inkers Group, giving us a perspective on how, uh, you know, the whole issue of HIV and AIDS has been managed, the extent to which, um, you know, corporates have been responsive to the management of the pandemic at the workplace for it has had hemorrhaging impact on productivity and, 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 and profitability 
of, of, of many businesses. Uh, the show is, is proudly brought to you by Plus 94 Research, the science of, the science of decision making process. Before you we went to the break, the question that I put to Justice is at some point he pointed out that because there was this phobia of people you know, testing on site because there was almost like implication that if you are seen on this particular queue, you are positive. And therefore, naturally, people were afraid, people were scared because the stigma of HIV and AIDS at the time was quite high. And I said to Justin before the, before we went to the break, that how did they make a decision? How did they know that uh, people are uncomfortable? Did they do a survey? Did they do a research? Did they interview people? You know, because that for me, it's an art of making a decision. You don't just you don't just sit in your office and make a determination about what is working and what's not working. Um, the, the, that's the value of evidence-led kind of intervention. Take us through your thought, Justice. And how did you make a determination that you know the, this thing of testing on site is problematic? And the only way of taking it outside, uh, you know, the only way of getting the results and, and active participation by peers is to have this thing tested outside. Take us through the thinking, but also the mechanic of collecting data that informed your decision to say we are better off outside than inside. Yes. Uh, so, Doc, the, f- the first thing was that obviously we were concerned of the uptake. So it didn't ma- it didn't matter what we did. Um, you know, we put notice boards for people to come for testing. I mean, we would have uh, uh, you know uh, mobilization uh, communication uh, on 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 just prior to the testing programs, and our employees just did not take up. You know, so there was the response was quite low. Uh, and when we did this about two to three times, then we realized that there must be something that is wrong. Um, so, so obviously we tried to understand why is it that the response levels were so low. So we did uh, small surveys. We spoke to the unions in our we were in our monthly meetings with the unions. Um, and in the surveys, the surveys revealed what I'm just telling you now in the sense that it was really um, the penny dropped that the issue was confidentiality. People didn't want it be known that they had been tested. That was simply, it was not, never an act of defiance. So the statistics revealed and the outcome of the survey. So we did spot surveys. We did, um, what do you call this, uh, focus groups, um, uh, uh, focus groups, and then, um, and then, and then also, uh, you know, uh, stakeholder meetings like the unions and so on. So information out of the outcomes of the sport checks, the sport surveys, uh, where you wait at the 10 stars and you interview people, you know, you had outcomes of that. So you survey, um, people as they come in. Then you, you also, we had focus groups. It was dedicated focus groups. Then we had your, your monthly meetings with the stakeholders like you know. And so out of all of those engagements, it was clear that the issue was really just fear at the time and, and people just 
either did not trust and also did not want it be known at all. So once we we saw from the survey what the outcome was, we realized that we had no choice but to to secure, at least while the level of awareness is so low, to secure the confidentiality aspect by totally taking it offside and and not um, and then totally uh, keeping the the testing program um, and, and employees on on site unaware of uh, who's being tested where and so on and so forth. So once that happened, our our numbers quite grew because I mean at, at some point. Uh, within, um, uh, if I remember, it was higher than 70, 80% until the following year, it was compulsory. So once we had taken this decision, it, it, the, 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 the response rate increased. Great stuff, great stuff. Now, now moving on very quickly, what do you think, um, you know, the, the perception is? Do you, you know, what is the, the magnitude of the stigma? If you, if you, if you will, do we still have uh, the high level of stigma? What are the, some of the glitches that management is experiencing around the, this particular issue? Um, you know, with, with time, you know, with the, uh, from what I can see now to what the, the kinds of problems we had then, you know, uh, with, with the passing of time, Many people started having their own family members succumbing to this disease, right? So it was brought, uh, it was brought closer to home, uh, much more. So people were becoming aware. And also, I think the realization that it, um, infection did not only come one way, because initially it was, you were, the stigma was associated with, um, sexual, um, uh, 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 behavior that was inappropriate or whatever. And once people knew that it could come in many other forms, uh, slowly we could see that the stigma. So it was issue of awareness really, which is where the peer educator system helped because now you are being told by your own colleague or your own shop steward or your own, um, a person that you work with at work that, well, at least at the basic level, this is how this uh, sickness comes, this is how you get affected. So that changed the perception a little bit. So once the perception changed, the stigma also started uh, to change also. And um, I think that that in itself was one of the reasons, Doc. No, great stuff, man. Um, the, the, what if 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 I'm hearing you correctly, there was an ownership at the at at board level. I would imagine there was an ownership at management level. These kinds of decisions that you had to execute were endorsed at the highest level, which presupposed that um, you know the companies had to have integrated approach to mitigating the risk in opposed by, 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 by HIV and AIDS. In the same way, we have seen now late COVID. A corporate have been very responsive by making sure that they firstly protect uh, human beings or human lives and, and by, by taking all the necessary precautions uh, necessary. When you look at, say, for an example, COVID, how management has been responsive, what sort of lesson can you draw 
based on your previous experience around uh, HIV and AIDS and how you know management has been responding to uh, to, to COVID nineteen in relation to to employees. What are you what what are your deductions? Well, I think one of the key things, especially you know how at times uh, in 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 companies, um, you know if if you don't have buy-in from uh, operational directors and so on as an hr director you always had uh, limitations so one of the benefits that i had personally was to having convinced my fellow directors for instance the ops director and the engineering director uh, quickly bought into the fact that, one, it was affecting them online uh, in their own, uh, because they could see the absenteeism rates, and two, they accepted that this was not a burden, it was a strategic imperative. So I think once they were sold to that, it was easy, therefore, easier for me to to mobilize resources, uh, including budgets, because any of these things that uh, I had to do that we had to do in my division cost money. I mean, the peer educator program uh, itself, I think just the training alone was over a million rands or so in a, in a year. Uh, and then you still had paraphernalia and, 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 and in the communication division, you had all of these things where you had to spend money. You wouldn't have done that if your fellow directors directors had not bought in. So I think normally if the business itself is convinced that um, a program such as this, whether it's COVID, whether it's HIV, is the strategic imperative, then it becomes easier, therefore, to, to mobilize resources and to then have support to implement these kinds of programs. Well, just thank you very much. Unfortunately, we, we don't have time. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much for your input. Uh, you've certainly made a huge difference. Um, and I suppose what the key to your inputs tonight has really been buy-in, collaboration, and, and, and that, that communal approach to strategic thinking. Um, uh, once again, Justice, um, have a good one. We appreciate your input. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invitation.